Hi, everyone, and welcome again to today's unscripted Tea Time podcast episode of Let's Talk Cloud Networking. Your usual hosts and suspects, myself, John Gazelvis, and Newman Mustafa. Today, we're really pleased to be joined by our very own cloud expert, Karthik Balachandran, who's been in the cloud industry for the past 12 years. Karthik has agreed to candidly share his cloud knowledge, customer learnings, and experience, but also give our audience a sense of how customers are thinking and approaching their cloud journey. More importantly, how they're addressing what we know to be the most fundamental and critical cloud networking and security constructs. Hey, Karthik, welcome to the, our podcast. Before we get going, Karthik, thank you. This, hey, we, we, you know, we normally we normally break the ice by um, you know talking about what sort of tea do you do you like, or are you a coffee drinker, or or do you prefer something different? I am mostly a tea drinker, uh, chai tea to be more accurate. I like to make my chai with some herbs and spices in the morning. That gets my brain working. Um, and then my son gifted me this electronic. Uh, mug that keeps your tea warm. So I use that throughout the day. So that's yeah. a little perspective into my daily morning routine. Oh, wow. That's exactly keeps what I need. Warm. Yeah. Uh, I will order that. <laughs> exactly what I need. That's great because it always keeps your tea warm. You haven't got to rush to drink that in the, you know, it, within five minutes, 10 minutes, or whatever. You haven't got to worry about it getting cold. There's nothing more I hate than cold tea, you know? So. And sometimes I put the cup down, I'm working, and I forget the tea is there as well. So that's a good idea. And, and that's, it's a good uh, uh, segue into the cloud conversation we're going to have because this yeah. teacup actually connects to your phone where you can control its temperature. And I bet the company is collecting data on how people are using their mugs. <laughs> Digital transformation. <laughs> That's what we are here for. Exactly. What, what they're actually doing, Karthik, is measuring how much time you're taking drinking tea and, you know, having a leisurely sip and so on. <laughs> they see how productive you are. Right. <laughs> Great right. stuff. So, Karthik, go ahead. Why don't you um, please introduce yourself? Give us a, a little flavor of what your role is in Aviatrix so that our audience has a better understanding. Great. So um, my name is Karthik Balachandran. I joined Aviatrix uh, four and a half years, close to five years ago. And I was uh, among the first customer facing engineers at Aviatrix. So the, I have the luxury of having seen 500 customers go through this journey, uh, just me personally. And there's of course many more customers I have not touched uh, from Aviatrix that have gone through this journey. Um, so that's my, that's my, a, a role within Aviatrix, but if you rewind back uh, 10 years ago when my cloud journey started, I was actually airdropped into a sinking ship of a company uh, and said, you need to figure out the product strategy of this company so that we can get um, bought over or acquired by some other company or something like that. So I, I was the uh, product strategist uh, to, to study this backup uh, and uh, restore software that was all uh, so focused on physical hardware. And, and I studied that business for a little bit and I said, okay, so what we need to do is create a cloud backup and restore software. You, you have all the elements in place, cloud is the future. And, and this was 10 years ago. 
right? And so, uh, and at that time, I had to go sell the CEO of the company on public cloud. Uh, he wouldn't believe me that I was willing to bet my career on public cloud stuff. It, he thought it was a corner case. Is that the right way to go? But I was able to get that going and the company was acquired successfully. So that was my real introduction into uh, the whole uh, cloud space. Uh, and then I've worked for multiple cloud companies and had my own little startup uh, building uh, uh, sales intelligence software and things of that nature. Uh, but um, throughout the journey, I've seen web 1.0 become web 2.0, right? And, and all the complications around that. Uh, physical machines transform into virtual machines and all the complications around that. And now the on-prem virtual machines becoming cloud uh, native applications. And, and one of the um, amazing things is that there's so many repeating themes that um, right now in the cloud that I could almost predict and has actually come true. Um, and so that's kind of the luxury I've had in the past uh, few years of uh, being in this domain. Long answer, but that's a little no, bit about it, my background. It's great. You're you know, an early cloud adopter, early cloud user. Um, put your bet on cloud when nobody else really would because you know, 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, yeah. who would say that cloud would be where it is today? Um, yeah. you know, I certainly didn't think that way 12 years ago. But yeah, and I think so. Um, so, so I have known Karthik for for a while now, and um, uh, you know he's one of those unique uh, professionals in the industry right now, as you said, John, that who have started very very early when people were just sort of uh, learning what what the hell cloud is, right? And uh, he actually started working as a practitioner, uh, helping customers with the cloud journey himself, learning about what the cloud is. Uh, you know, trying to convince people on the value of cloud. So very, very early. And, and because of that, he has seen uh, lots of strategies changed uh, as things have evolved over the past uh, 12 years. Um, uh, while he has been in the industry, he has seen ups and, ups and downs and, and lows and highs in terms of, uh, of a cloud strategy. What has worked, what has not worked. What used to work uh, years ago is, is, is maybe a failure right now right? because things have improved, things have evolved. Um, early on, it was AWS only. Now, other clouds have popped up. Azure is becoming a lot more prominent as well, especially in EMEA when we talk to customers, it's becoming mm -hmm. the, the primary cloud, right? So things are evolving very, very fast. And, you know, he's a perfect candidate, in my opinion, or professional who can sort of advise customers on what are the sort of journeys that you may see um, when you're going into your cloud journey. Because at the end of the day, when you are an enterprise and you decided or your uh, business or execs have decided to go to the cloud, you may end up taking one of those journeys, one of those strategies. And it's very important for them to understand from experience from uh, people like Karthik on what has actually worked and what are the things that are more optimal and applicable today as opposed to three years ago. Right, So they can make the right decisions that are probably going to uh, be future-proof. And, and we cannot even guarantee that what's working today is going to work from two years from now. But at least, you know, if you make the decisions based on what you know today, at least they will be much more relevant and, and go a long way in terms of your ROI than let's say if you blindly go into a decision which has not worked for people in the past. So Karthik, you know, a very open-ended question, but Maybe you can talk about, you know, in your past 12 years, you have been working on with so many customers and it's obviously it's a 20, 30 minute podcast. You can't really bring all the experiences, but maybe for your audience, right? What, what have you seen, right? And how the people 
start the journey and what would be your advice in terms of uh, how they should approach if somebody is new or if somebody is looking to just improve what they have today which they may have sort of thought that is the right way uh, in the cloud especially from a networking and security perspective yeah. great question and a loaded question so I'll, I'll try and be brief here so in in the beginning uh, what i found was uh, there were always different factions in any organization. There's one faction that went off and did cloud, right? They built the applications in cloud. There's another faction that is trying to migrate existing applications left and shift into the cloud. But the data center was the uh, center of gravity. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at all the networking and the security stack, it lived in the data center. And for many large organizations, that is still the case. Their primary security stack that's in the data center. So they, they think about their data centers as the transit. And they've built these backbones across their data center, which might be aging, might require refresh. But anyways, that, that's where all the traffic transited from the VPCs, VNet, uh, from the branch offices. Their third-party connections, do not forget third-party connections, right, uh, to vendors and payment processors and all that coming into the data center. And that's, that's where it lived. In, in those days, when you spoke to cloud folks, uh, I shouldn't say those days, that it, it, when, when a company's in that state of their uh, maturity uh, in the cloud, when you speak to the cloud ops folks, you can't even start to talk networking because it's not their business, right? They build applications, they auto scale out and they use AI, ML, and they, uh, they're using SQS message queues and that's where they live. And saying something like, uh, cloud networking was like saying pop culture friendly religion. Like it was just a big no. You cannot talk about networking uh, with these folks because they, they they saw it as unnecessary. And and then uh, as these applications matured and became uh, more important, everybody realized that look, we need to have some kind of visibility into what's going on in this environment and in this transit that used to be the data center moved into the likes of Equinix or Megaport, who kind of positioned themselves at that time as the cloud transit, like come to us and we'll connect you to all the clouds, right? Mm -hmm. which, uh, which a lot of people are trying to do and found this is just too complex, building new set of hardware in, uh, in these uh, colo locations and, and things of that nature. The, in, now fast forward uh, a, a few more months or, or years, depends on the company's agility, most companies are realizing that the center of gravity has to exist in the CSP. That is where you need your security services, your network controls, your segmentation policies across clouds, by the way. That, so this is not an AWS thing. Your segmentation security has the same policies have to span CSPs. So the rightful place for this should be in the CSPs because even within a CSP, You've got different accounts. You've got hundreds of applications and you need that visibility. You cannot route that traffic out of the cloud's backbone into Equinix or into your data center. Um, uh, when I say Equinix, I, I mean the bandwidth providers. I, I don't mean to pick on uh, one vendor there. Um, and taking that traffic out of the CSP and bringing it to any other environment, you can do it but it's non-scalable. Your application teams hate you for doing that because it slows down the applications and um, networking and security is seen as getting in the way of cloud adoption. Yeah. So uh, most uh, organizations that are further along in this journey have decided to uh, put these security controls, which are extremely important, 
the network segmentation and visibility platforms inside of the CSP uh, networks. So that, that's kind of, so, and, and if you step back and, and look at, customers don't tell you these things in so many ways. These enterprises, like if you ask an enterprise, where are you in your cloud journey? And there are five people in the room from the same organization, you'll get five different answers. Why? Because in their mind, the priorities are different. Uh, the security person will answer differently from the cloud ops person, from the networking person. And so uh, we uh, in Aviatrix have gotten good at, at collecting the, the requirements and putting it into a framework and helping our customers. Uh, but early on, the ask was, how do I extend my VLAN into a VPC? That was the hottest selling feature yeah. for, uh, for customers with data center as their, um, as their center of gravity. But uh, you know, now, of course, it, uh, the industry standard is to build this intelligent transit inside the CSP. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so Karthik, <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to um, get your opinion on, and I think we, we talked with a lot of uh, analysts, uh, industry analysts as well, right? And a couple of things that are that are help, helping or, or changing are, you know, a lot of people, they used to think that, you know, we are going to cloud and we're going to stay with only a single cloud. There's no need for a multi-cloud or multiple clouds, right? Because they thought of it as application that are, that are built to run on multiple clouds. That's not the case, right? So a lot of people are leveraging different clouds for different uh, consuming different services, some cloud just run better with certain services, or you may have a certain acquisition that may be running in a different cloud and you want to have a seamless security posture and same level of operational needs that you may want across different clouds. And obviously there are other reasons in terms of relationship, in terms of cost, in terms of overall geolocations <clears throat> where one cloud may be available, the other is not. So, so we are seeing that, that, that flip where early on when people we were saying that, you know, we're just going to be in one cloud at the max, they are also pivoting. Uh, analysts are also recognizing that. And I think Gartner, if you see that they spoke a lot about most of the enterprises being multi-cloud. Um, and the second part that is actually happening now is early on, people used to only, and even now today, when you look at a lot of legacy on-prem vendors, for them, the multi-cloud strategy is connecting to the cloud. And okay, if I have a, my, if I'm a, let's say, you know, bank and I have AWS and Azure, as long as I'm able to have a VPN, as you said, like VPN connection from my VLAN to a VPC or a VNet, that's basically what they consider as multi-cloud networking for, for the most part. Right? So in your um, working with a lot of these customers, right? how are people designing their modern network, as you said, with the center of gravity in the cloud and how they're extending to, to their data centers and branches? Because it's going to be a hybrid world for a while now. Uh, and some of the applications may never actually move to the cloud. So it's a sort of a hybrid cloud, but with center of gravity sitting into your new data center, which is basically your multiple cloud. So how do you see this evolving with the, some of your, your large customers who are sort of maturing towards that trend? Yeah, good, good point. Let's, let's talk about multi-cloud. So um, as you know, uh, Aviatrix was early to, to multi-cloud and we kind of caught the wave uh, in, the, in the recent years. So it's um, multi-cloud uh, is basically here to stay, right? It's a top-down mandate to be multi-cloud. And like you mentioned, there are many reasons why uh, they want to be multi-cloud. A few years ago, it, everybody wanted to be single cloud and there was pushback on becoming multi-cloud from the organization internally because they just figured out one cloud. They've spent nights, weekends with no vacations 
just figuring out one cloud. Now they have to go multi-cloud. And there was, there was this resistance to, uh, to adoption of multi-cloud. But, it, but that resistance is pretty much broken down. Right? And people are solving it in different ways. Sometimes it's a little bit more expensive uh, to solve it one way versus another. And multi-cloud is a top-down mandate for just for risk reduction right? in, uh, in, uh, most, uh, in most industries. Um, even AWS, that used to be reluctant to use the word multi-cloud. In fact, they used to bar us from even talking about multi-cloud. Uh, has kind of warmed up to the idea uh, right now. So multi-cloud is the new state of affairs. And the way I look at it is on-prem, right? Or in the, um, uh, in the past decade, IT could not mandate that you use one operating system versus another, right? You, they couldn't say, we are a Windows shop, you should develop your applications in Windows only. That would have been a ridiculous ask or, or a mandate. So it, it, that's how I see uh, a single cloud mandate that it's not going to work uh, because the, every cloud has its offerings and, and the business units are going to pick the cloud of their choice. Your customers are going to mandate you be in a certain cloud and, and all that. So you, you are going to be multi-cloud whether you like it or not. Most uh, industry leaders have already uh, put out the mandate to, to become uh, multi-cloud. So these days, I, I can almost be confident speaking to customers that they are multi-cloud just going in uh, when we start, first start the conversation of architecture and such, they will talk about a single cloud most of the time. When the question comes to what, what about your next cloud, they have, they have something vague in their mind. Yes, this is coming up. Or, yeah, there's some shadow IT going on in, uh, in this other cloud that, uh, that we need to bring under the fold, right? So um, it, it has already happened uh, in my mind. Um, there is some resistance to multi-cloud, a little bit lingering resistance I, can, uh, I sense. But um, that is definitely the future of, uh, of public cloud adoption. Yeah, and, and some of the, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, Karthik. And some of the, some of the, the things I'm seeing as well um, is that enterprises, most of them, especially large ones, they're not really well organized you know, for single cloud, let alone multi-cloud, um, in that they know they're going to cloud and they're doing their very, very best to get to one cloud. But the, the way they're organized, you know, the strategy is a little bit haphazard. How do I do it? They're trying to do that whole DIY themselves and, um, you know, by using everything native um, because they think everything native should be the way to go. Um, but but I, I see you know, from some of the organizations that um, they're, they're not only a little bit haphazard, but the time it's taken them to get to the cloud is almost ridiculous. It almost negates, you know, why are you going to the cloud? Because you're, you're spending just as much time getting services or getting to the cloud as you do taking the time on-prem, you know? So I think yeah. maybe it's a lack of experience, lack of knowledge, lack of expertise. Um, hopefully those sort of things are going to disappear as, as their maturity in one cloud or more than one cloud start to gather pace over the next 12, 20, 18, 24 months, you know, um, it has to, because they, you know, businesses are not going to tolerate, hang on, I had all these delays on-prem, I'm asking to go to another cloud and you're asking me to wait 12 months, yeah. you know? Yeah, let's, let's talk about answer, the answer, you know, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. That's, uh, let's talk about that. That's a great point. Do it yourself 
infrastructure setup in the cloud, okay? Most customers get started that way and they're starting with do-it-yourself in the second and third cloud and they know it is unsustainable. It, you, you cannot go build, um, the, first of all, expertise, skill gap, uh, skill shortage is severe uh, in, the, in our industry. Uh, and uh, you, it's not possible to go um, uh, hire the kinds of talent to maintain and everything and go build this first. Number two, if you have, it's inconsistent. What I find is there is amazing implementations with such creativity put into it, but it's non-operational. Mm-hmm. People have done real good work. They've tried and solved every requirement that came their way uh, months on end. Uh, and, and they rely on blogs. Like that's the, that's the scary state in, in my opinion. Uh, how, how did you build this? They point me to a blog written by the CSP solution architect and say, I followed this blog. Now on-prem, would you ever build your infrastructure based on a blog? No, you need supportability. You need to pick up the phone and say, something's broken, come fix it. Mm-hmm. And why? Because if, if you are this uh, electronic mug manufacturer, right? You, you want to service your customers with, with all the IoT capabilities. Um, and, uh, and that's your business. That's where you make money. That's, mm-hmm. that's your subscription model. Now, maintaining transit networking and firewalling and uh, uh, intelligent threat protection and things of this uh, nature, it should, should be supportable. It, it should not be handled, um, which makes it non-operational. So that, that's kind of the, the state uh, we find most of these large enterprises in when we first meet them. They have amazing implementations, but they're non-operational. Uh, if the person goes on vacation um, or uh, even worse, gets hired by AWS or GCP, and it happens all the time. There's so much skill shortage in the industry that we often find people that built the stuff, but moved on in their careers to, in, into uh, bigger, better things. Uh, and uh, somebody else is left holding the bag. And now you need to go through this expensive reverse engineering process by professional services to rebuild what was already done. Right. I actually right. So, think you've met... it... Sorry, go ahead, Fathi. Uh, uh, no, I was just going to round out the, uh, uh, the, the conversation around do it yourself by saying it is really a black swan event waiting to happen in every enterprise right. where uh, the one or two key people that know how everything works have coded it out and, and, and uh, scripted it, uh, decide to, uh, to move on or get pulled into other roles. Um, and um, yeah, we've seen that time and again, uh, where we have to uh, migrate them off of these unsupportable DIY platforms into a more supportable platform like AVHX. Right. So and, and uh, sorry, these, these organizations, especially the large enterprises, they've got very, very smart people. And what I've also seen is when they're doing their DIY, they're looking for perfection. They're trying to develop something that's perfect to fit all scenarios, every eventuality, some eventuality they don't even know about, but they've invented in their mind, this could happen, that could happen, and so on and so forth. And they've almost fallen to that syndrome where they've let, you know, they were the great becomes the enemy of good. Instead of being good enough, because we all know things are constantly changing in cloud. You know, instead of being good enough to get you going in a risk-free way, they're spending time, effort on per- trying to perfect a DIY solution that's going to have to change anyway in the future because 
A, they're going to have, as you said, the management, the operation piece of a DIY solution is almost impossible. You can't life cycle it. It takes tons and tons of people. What happens when that person disappears? No one else knows. No one else has got the, the knowledge. Documentation is missing and so on and so forth, which, which kind of leads me to my, my, my next question, Karthik, is what advice would you give to those on-prem engineers that have may have little or no experience of cloud, but they need to stay relevant. Um, and, you know, somehow they're trying to also fast track their learnings to be relevant in the cloud. Is yeah. there any guidance there, you can point, point their way? It, it, yeah, it's, it's funny you, you ask that. There, uh, there are friends of friends of friends who often reach out uh, because they've heard uh, uh, of me working for Aviatrix and such, and uh, they, they're, uh, they've either, um, uh, they're either trying to get a new uh, job in the cloud, they've kind of seen this cloud thing um, as the future and their careers dated and they, they want to get cloud. Um, a lot of the times I find these folks um, kind of have this uh, unfounded uh, or misfounded confidence in the fact that all the certifications they have today is relevant in the cloud somehow. Um, and so they 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 go and take one or two uh, minor certifications and, and they go, uh, okay, now I need a cloud role or a cloud job uh, somewhere else. Um, and, and that almost never happens, right? That, so well, I, I would say, first of all, for these folks who spent a lot of time in the, in the industry, you have an important skill, which is the discipline of information technology uh, the, the, the planning, the foresight of uh, issues, uh, the importance of security, and, and things like that, right? So if someone gave you a migration project, you can sit down and think about how to do this, right? So that, that discipline is probably your best transferable skill going into uh, the cloud world, which is just starting to learn that discipline. Now, for uh, but unfortunately, it's very hard for a person that, that's not been in, in, a, in the cloud space to get the job. The most important thing to do is, first of all, get relevant education. Uh, like we have the ACE certification, uh, as you know, John, you might have yeah. spoken about it in, in your previous podcast. Um, so that gives you a great multi-cloud view of, uh, of the networking challenges and, and how to solve them, right? And then you could also get what some of the CSP certifications. But regardless, you should try and get plugged into your company's cloud projects that you are in currently. Right before you, you jump ship or go look for a, a cloud native company or a SaaS vendor or going to cloud, in your current role, within your capacity, get plugged into the cloud uh, operations team or what they're doing, get visibility, because that is going to help your resume a lot. That's going to help you uh, articulate what your uh, company does today. So when, when, when I've interviewed folks or I've done mock interviews with these folks, they know a lot about the, the cloud, they, they kind of Q&A, but when it comes to work experience, and I ask them, what, what have you done? They just completely, they, they, they fall flat, right? So um, uh, just to summarize uh, the, uh, the few things is that you've got this uh, tran transferable skill uh, around the discipline and, and, and security experience and things of that nature that is very important in the cloud currently. Uh, second is go get your uh, certifications um, at, depending on your role. Uh, and your experience, like the ACE certification for networking and security. And uh, finally, uh, get plugged in. That's really important. Get plugged into your uh, current uh, organization's cloud projects. That's great. That's Does that make sense, John? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, 
a good sort of common sense methodical way to to approach this you know some of the sorry just one last thing some of the things i'm seeing in large organizations where they have reasonable size it teams network team security teams separate cloud teams the cloud teams some at sometimes are not inviting the traditional you know, on-prem engineers to come and get involved. Instead, the cloud teams are going out trying to recruit um, readily available cloud skills and paying much more money for those cloud skills rather than trying to bring the um, existing staff along to some degree. Completely get it that you have to augment your team and bring in new skills, et cetera, and new talent. But I've seen one or two organizations completely ignore their current teams, which is, you know, which is a strange thing to do in my view. And I think, well, John, yeah. I think the, the, one of the reasons for, for that could be is that a lot of these networking security teams have been very hesitant in mm -hmm. moving to the cloud and they purposely sort of slowed, try to slow down your your progression or, or migration yeah. to the cloud. But if you are able to, and, and I think now things have changed a lot, right? Because things are already moving to the cloud. Everybody's seeing it, partners are also seeing it. So in a way, they, they have come to realization that they have been late to the game and they want to fast track their learning. And I think a lot of these people who come to our AS courses, as Karthik was saying, are actually yeah. those people who wants to fast track their learning. And if an organization is able to figure out those people who are ready to finally learn the cloud and help out their business, I think there's no better way because they are the yeah. ones who have the knowledge of their applications, who have the knowledge of the environment. And if they can somehow fast track the knowledge and become on board with the cloud strategy that has been laid out by the CIOs and CEOs, I think there's no better thing than that. But obviously you can't really bring along people who are who are still vested in the on-prem world right. and sort of slow down. And because you never know, you they may <clears throat> they may block you in certain things that yeah. you don't want, right? So that's a good point. And um, no, that is a good point. Yeah. I um so we are, I mean, almost coming to an end, uh, Karthik, in terms of, I mean, probably we'll have to do another session uh, at some time because you have so much knowledge that we want people to listen to. But one, maybe we, normally we end up with uh, one key takeaway that you want to leave with the, our audience. And that key takeaway could be around um, your, your learning that, you know, how people, let's say if somebody is going to the cloud or, or in, in the process of going to the cloud, let's say a, a senior director, head of infrastructure, the CTO, CIO, what would be one key takeaway that you want them to hear in terms of the approach that they should be taking and in the context of a already uh, successful scenarios from the people that you have worked with? Uh, that I think would we can leave the audience with today. Yeah, yeah, good, uh, good question. So, uh, if, if I were to help uh, a new CIO uh, director of infrastructure cloud um, today uh, and help them avoid some of the pitfalls in their journey, uh, but I would, uh, I would make it very clear that it's a multi-cloud world. Whatever architecture, application architecture, network, security architecture you're planning needs to support multi-cloud. If you, if you do, do not do that, you'll have a painful uh, job at your hand uh, trying to get uh, reverse engineered things in the near future like, like we talked about. So it, it comes down to supportability, right? Mm -hmm. So plan for multi-cloud, make sure anything you do is supportable. It, you should be able to repeat it and pick up the phone and, and call somebody and get it fixed, right? It cannot be dependent on two or three star players in your organization uh, and the entire cloud operations depends on that. So um, supportability would be the second uh, thing I'd ask them to look at. 
And and finally, uh, you know, this this thing around visibility um, and uh, and auditability of your environment, right? What changed? Why was there uh, an outage uh, yesterday for seven minutes? Like nobody could access the applications. In fact, we lost a little bit of revenue during that time, um, and it went unexplained. This happens all the time in the cloud because you're reliant on it, uh, the underlay uh, that you have no access to. And there are these cloud constructs given to you to go build, right? It's like building your Lego blocks, but it's non-operational. It's built, but yeah, it looks great, but non-operational. So always think about how do I get visibility and control over my at least network and security infrastructure, um, including applications and such. And remember like John, I love John's um, uh, quote on this, uh, the always says shared responsibility is no responsibility, right? So when there's an outage and it's revenue impacting, it, there is no responsibility from CSPs. It, it's up to you, right? So the onus is on uh, the the leaders to uh, to maintain SLAs. So visibility would be the third uh, the important item I'd lay out in front of them. That's great. That's great. And I think yeah. um, uh, Aviatrix does the. Uh, I mean. Um, you know, it helps a lot in, in this effort. So if you have, if you're not familiar with Aviatrix, especially around cloud networking security, go check it out, uh, contact us and we'll be able to help you uh, with your cloud transformation and cloud journey. Karthik, really good insight. Thank you so much for, for attending this uh, podcast today. Yep. Thank you, Karthik. It's been really great. And I think I've certainly learned a lot in these last 30, 40 minutes. Um, I'm sure our audience has as well. Great. It, it so was much. a pleasure, guys. I'm, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. And I'm ordering that <laughs> mug with the coil. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> or the two. I'll have one as well, Numa. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll gift it to you guys. Bye. <laughs>